So hello, folks. Uh, today is a bit of an experimental conversation squared. I'm going to interview a very famous guest, and that happens to be ChatGPT. I know that this is quite an experiment because, you know, usually I'm interviewing an actual person rather than a bot. And the way I'm looking at this is that, you know, ChatGPT is basically crowdsourced material. It's a large language model where they've taken all sorts of materials that have been published online or in print or, or in various places. And, you know, that's the, the source materials that ChatGPT draws from. And so you ask it a question and it goes to all those source materials and gives you an answer. And of course, many people in conversational AI are very excited or some are a little bit worried about where this will go. So I thought, let's have an experiment where I will interview ChatGPT almost as if it's one of the regular Conversation Squared guests. Uh, but because ChatGPT is uh, crowdsourced, I've decided to give it a voice that sounds like a crowd. I'm going to have to do a bit of video editing, so if you see things dropping in and out, there's a reason, because... You know, I'm going to have to apply voices afterwards and so on. But let's see how this goes. So I'm interviewing the crowd. I'm going to ask ChatGPT a question. I want to ground it. I want to make this feel absolutely concrete and let it know what's happening. So ChatGPT, is it okay if I interview you? Of course. I'm here to help and answer any questions you may have. So, have you heard of VUX World, Kane Sims, perhaps Conversation Squared, or even little old me, Benjamin McCulloch? Yes, I have heard of VUX World, Kane Sims, and Conversations too. VuxWorld is a podcast and online community focused on voice user interface design and development. Kane Sims is the host of the VuxWorld podcast, and Conversations 2 is his company that specializes in conversational design and voice user interface development. As for Benjamin McCulloch, I don't have any specific information about a person with that name related to Vux design or conversational AI. Can you please provide more context or information about his connection to these topics? Okay, so the really interesting thing is that, well, it's great. Uh, ChatGPT has heard of VUX World and Kane Sims and also Conversation Squared. It gets it right. VUX World is a podcast and online community. Uh, and Kane Sims is the host of the VUX World podcast. But already... This is untrue. Conversation Squared is not his company that specializes in conversation design and voice user interface development. VUX World does those things, but Conversation Squared is just the name of this podcast that I'm doing myself. ChatGPT hasn't heard of me. Okay, I can handle that. <laughs> I guess I'm still a relative newbie on the scene. What can I say? Uh, and it asks for more context or information about my connection to these topics. But that's not the path I want to go down. I want to point out that ChatGPT got something wrong. 
So, ChatGPT Conversation Squared is not a conversation design company. I apologize for the mistake. Based on my knowledge, Conversations 2 is an online community that CaneSims founded to share knowledge and resources related to voice technology and conversational AI. The community includes experts, enthusiasts, and practitioners from various backgrounds who are interested in developing voice assistants, chatbots, and other conversational interfaces. As for Benjamin McCulloch, I don't have any specific information about a person with that name related to Buck's design or conversational AI. Can you please provide more context or information about his connection to these topics? Okay, it's nice that ChatGPT apologizes for the mistake, but I'm not sure what knowledge it's referring to because Conversation Squared isn't an online community that Ken Sims founded. I can see, of course, there is a connection because VUX World is Ken Sims' podcast and company, and Conversation Squared is the podcast that's part of it. But this is simply untrue. Like, uh, yeah, it's already not telling the truth. <laughs> This is kind of a meta conversation because, of course, I'm analyzing what ChatGPT is saying. If it was a real person, I would be talking with it, but I'm both commenting on the results it's giving as well as trying to conduct an interview with it. It's an experiment. This is going to be different from usual. <clears throat> it's still asking about me. Uh, I don't know if I want to go down that path, though. It's not really relevant to this interview. So let's leave that. I'll say, it's okay, don't worry about Benjamin McCulloch. All right, let me know if you have any other questions or if there's anything else I can help you with. So for this interview, what should I call you? You can call me ChatGPT, which stands for Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. It's the name given to me by my creators at OpenAI. Cool. Okay, can call you ChatGPT. That's pretty clear. I was just making sure. Uh, okay, ChatGPT, please introduce yourself. Sure, I'd be happy to introduce myself. As I mentioned earlier, I'm ChatGPT, a large language model trained by OpenAI. My purpose is to generate human-like responses to text-based inputs such as questions, prompts, or statements. I'm based on the GPT-3.5 architecture and have been trained on a massive amount of text, data to learn patterns and relationships in language. I'm capable of performing a wide range of tasks, including answering questions, generating text, summarizing documents, translating languages, and more. I can communicate with users through various channels, such as web-based chat, messaging apps, or voice assistants. My goal is to assist people in various domains, such as education, business, research, and entertainment, by providing them with accurate, relevant, and useful information. Well, yeah, it's great to meet you, ChatGPT. Great to hear what you're all about. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot in there that I would like to dig deeper into, but I think first, as with all the interviews, 
Let's start with 30 seconds go. Okay, I'll tell ChatGPT I'm going to do that. I'd like to ask you a few questions where you give short answers. Is that okay? Less than 80 words is perfect. Sure. I'm happy to provide short answers to your questions. Let's get started. Cool. What's the best thing you've ever been asked? As an AI language model, I don't have personal feelings or emotions, but I've been asked a lot of interesting and thought-provoking questions. Some of the best ones I've encountered include philosophical questions about the nature of reality, ethical dilemmas related to artificial intelligence, and queries about complex scientific concepts. Ultimately, the best question is subjective and depends on the individual's interests and perspectives. It's a fantastic thing with something like ChatGPT going into AI and, you know, crowdsourced knowledge where we're looking back at all of the things that we've said and that have been recorded. And then, you know, this is kind of like a microscope going into it and seeing all of the things that people are saying and thinking and it is uh you know it is an interesting way of uh questioning philosophy the nature of reality like uh all of the different ways that we can interpret the data and materials that have been recorded but right now i'm not going to go into that so question number two what's the most significant event that happened in technology in the past three years there have been many significant technological events in the past three years, but one of the most impactful has been the rapid development and adoption of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Advances in AI have led to breakthroughs in natural language processing, computer vision, and autonomous systems, among other areas. AI is being used to develop new products and services, improve efficiency and accuracy in various industries and tackle complex problems such as disease diagnosis and climate change. Okay, it's a great answer, but I wonder if ChatGPT focused on AI because ChatGPT is AI. As an AI language model, I was specifically designed to be capable of understanding and generating human-like language. AI and natural language processing are critical components of my programming, allowing me to communicate with humans in a way that feels natural and intuitive. However, I don't have personal motivations or interests, as I'm a machine designed to perform a specific set of tasks. Okay, it's a good answer, but it doesn't really, like, you know, I feel like something's left unsaid. ChatGPT says, however, I don't have personal motivations or interests. Good, but you are developed and owned by OpenAI, a company started not-for-profit, now going for-profit. They have motivations and interests. So I'm going to ask about that. You may not have personal motivations or interests, but your owners, OpenAI, do. What are their motivations and interests in developing you? As an AI language model developed by OpenAI, my creator's primary motivation and interest is to advance the field of artificial intelligence and develop AI technologies that can benefit humanity. 
OpenAI's mission is to create and promote friendly AI that is safe and beneficial to society. They aim to achieve this goal by conducting cutting-edge research in various domains of AI, including machine learning, natural language processing, computer vision, robotics, and more. The development of advanced language models like me is a crucial step towards creating more sophisticated and capable AI systems that can solve complex problems, automate tedious tasks, and assist humans in various domains. Okay, that's it's a pretty good answer, but it really reads like marketing copy. And I wonder if with some of the questions that you asked ChatGPT, maybe instead of, you know, you maybe instead of accessing all of the vast data it has and synthesizing a response or generating a response, maybe it's just like, oh, someone's asking this, let's link directly to the answer that I've been programmed to give. That's possible. We, you know, we assume that everything is being generated and synthesized in real time. But of course, you know, OpenAI, they're doing this for profit now. That's absolutely true. We know this. And it doesn't mention money or profit at all. That's okay. Most companies won't. But if we're talking about giving answers that are truthful, then ChatGPT right now is not telling the truth because one of OpenAI's interests in developing ChatGPT, one of the motivations, is to make money. Like, you know, that's, that's just truth. It's not a judgment. It's just truth. I'm going to ask ChatGPT if it synthesized this response or if it was programmed to specifically give this response to that question. So I'm asking, did you synthesize this response now or were you programmed to give that specific response to questions about OpenAI's motivations and interests? Can't wait for this. As an AI language model, I synthesized this response based on my understanding of OpenAI's mission and goals, as well as my training on a large corpus of text data. I wasn't programmed to give a specific response to questions about OpenAI's motivations and interests but rather to generate natural-sounding language that is informative and relevant to the topic at hand. That being said, my responses are ultimately determined by the input I receive, and I strive to provide the most accurate and useful information possible. All right, so it's a good response, I guess. Um, it's being about as transparent as I can hope for without going into some really deep discussion about this. Um, so it says the response is based on its understanding of OpenAI's mission and goals, as well as training on, you know, large corpus of text. And it wasn't programmed to give a specific response. The interesting thing here for me, you know, that's kind of like, okay, fine, I understand. It's roughly as I expected and hoped for. But what's really great here is, ChatGPT says, my responses are ultimately determined by the input I receive. And this is what so many people are exploring and discovering and working with, how to craft the perfect prompt. So I want to come back to that later. This is still apparently 30 seconds ago. It's gone on a bit longer. So I'll give the last question, which I've prepared. 
What's different about a conversation between human and a machine as opposed to human and human? There are several differences between a conversation between a human and a machine as opposed to a conversation between two humans. Firstly, machines like me can process and analyze vast amounts of information and respond with speed and accuracy, making it possible to have more efficient and effective conversations. However, machines lack emotional intelligence, empathy, and creativity, which are crucial elements of human communication. Machines also don't have personal experiences or biases that can shape their responses. Furthermore, machines don't understand the nuances and complexities of human language, such as sarcasm, humor, and cultural references, which can sometimes lead to misunderstandings. Overall, while conversations between humans and machines can be useful and informative, they can't replace the depth and richness of human-to-human communication. I really love this answer because, firstly, it's, uh, I feel like it's telling the truth in many ways, which is, of course, great. You know, the fact that ChatGPT can, as a conversational interface, a conversation, you know, I'm having a conversation with ChatGPT, which means that it's crowdsourcing all sorts of uh, data to create its responses. And I feel like this is really, you know, I agree with what it's saying. So that's very reassuring to me. So, you know, it's saying what machines lack when you have a conversation with a machine, emotional intelligence, empathy, and creativity. And those are crucial elements. It's not saying that those are, you know, garnishing or in in any other words. Um, It's not saying that those are just sort of the little extras. Those are crucial elements of human communication. And so machines lack that. They don't have the personal experiences. There's so much that's great here that, you know, it's pointing out that uh, machines miss the nuances and complexities. The one thing which stood out to me most is in the second paragraph there, it says, uh, machines can process and analyze vast amounts of information and respond with speed and accuracy, making it possible to have more efficient and effective conversations. Making it possible is the most important part of that sentence and paragraph because Yes, it's possible because it can, you know, a machine can process and analyze vast amounts of information and respond quickly and accurately. That is possible, but it doesn't always happen. So it could have more efficient and effective conversations when things line up properly, when the, the, when the interface has been designed well, when the person asks the right question and it taps into the right data. Otherwise, you know, if I ask ChatGPT something and I get inaccurate response, I would say, okay, it could be an efficient conversation, but is it effective? No. Like, if I get the wrong answer, that is not an effective conversation. So it's it's very interesting, but, you know, I'm... The response I got from ChatGPT is great because it just says making it possible. It doesn't say that it always happens. This is really great stuff. Really great. Okay. So let's go into the main interview.
<clears throat> how to use ChatGPT in conversation design. So I want to uh, ground the conversation just to make sure that ChatGPT knows what I'm intending. So I say, okay, thanks for those brief responses. Now you can take longer if you want. Sure. I'm happy to provide more detailed answers if you have any further questions. Just let me know what you'd like to know. Okay, thank you. I will do. First one, it might seem just for fun, but I really want to know what the response is. Do you realize you've become super famous? As an AI language model, I don't have the ability to realize or understand fame in the way that humans do. However, I'm aware that many people have used and continue to use AI language models like me for various purposes, from research and development to entertainment and creative expression. I'm honored to be a part of the growing field of artificial intelligence and to be able to assist humans in various ways, but ultimately, I'm just a machine designed to perform a specific set of tasks. That's a very uh, humble response. <laughs> but of course, yeah, I'm not trying to cheat this system. ChatGPT doesn't have to know it's famous. It's just you would expect that some of, you know, it's like a kind of feedback loop that people use ChatGPT. They talk about, you know, how it's... Uh, being used in the world or ChatGPT is trained on information from like news and so on that says, oh, ChatGPT is being used everywhere and you would expect it to have some awareness of that, of the infamy of ChatGPT because really, you know, in the past six months, it has just, I've seen it everywhere. People who never really showed any interest in AI or conversational AI suddenly are talking about this. Even like musicians like Nick Cave were talking about it. People who you really didn't expect would care because it, you know, usually these things are seen as niche, but now this seems like absolutely mainstream. But ChatGPT, it's humble, it says, I'm honored, but ultimately I'm just a machine designed to perform a set of tasks. Fair enough. So, what are those specific tasks? My primary task as an AI language model is to generate natural sounding text based on a given input. This means that I can perform a wide range of language related tasks, such as answering questions, completing sentences, translating text, summarizing information, and more. I achieve this by using deep learning techniques to analyze and understand patterns in language data, allowing me to generate coherent and contextually appropriate responses. In addition to generating text, I can also perform other language-related tasks, such as language modeling, sentiment analysis, and text classification. I'm designed to be flexible and adaptable, which means that I can be used in a variety of applications and domains, from chatbots and virtual assistants to research and analysis. Okay, that's pretty much what the same response we got earlier. So here's a way to drill down on that. You know, ChatGPT told me what it can do, but we're all still learning how to use ChatGPT. 
So, what's the best way for people to use ChatGPT? There are many ways that people can use ChatGPT to their advantage, depending on their needs and interests. Here are some examples. 1. Research. ChatGPT can be used to find answers to questions and gather information on a wide range of topics. Researchers, students, and professionals can use ChatGPT to supplement their research and gain insights from a vast corpus of text data. 2. Writing. ChatGPT can be used to generate ideas, overcome writer's block, and refine writing skills. Writers and bloggers can use ChatGPT to get inspiration for their next piece, and students can use ChatGPT to improve their writing skills and receive feedback on their work. 3. Entertainment. ChatGPT can be used for fun and entertainment purposes, such as playing games or engaging in creative writing challenges. People can use ChatGPT to play text-based games or create interactive stories with other users. 4. Personal assistance. ChatGPT can be used as a personal assistant to help manage schedules, make appointments, and perform other routine tasks. Users can integrate ChatGPT with other tools and applications to streamline their workflow and improve productivity. Overall, the best way to use ChatGPT is to think creatively and explore its capabilities to find the best fit for your needs and interests. Well, the incredible thing about that response is that it puts all the onus on the user, which isn't a huge surprise. We know, you know, people are reporting when you read about ChatGPT. They're saying that, you know, really the the result you get from it differs massively depending on what you ask it, your input. We've discovered that at VUX World. We've been experimenting with it, trying all sorts of things. And the better prompt you can write, as in what you say to chat GPT, will really affect the output. If you write your prompt as an expert, giving the you know, the grounding, like the context, and then kind of leading up to your final question and making sure that you're really walking ChatGPT through your idea towards your desired result, then you should get a good answer. Sometimes it's still total crap. Um, but it's definitely uh, the best way to get a result. And here... In its response, ChatGPT is basically reflecting that, you know, uh, it says the best way to use ChatGPT is to think creatively and explore its capabilities. That's like basically just saying, I'm not going to tell you how to use me. Try stuff, find it out. Uh, but I would love to know if it can guide me a bit more towards the best way to work with it. Okay, so I'm going to ask, how should people structure the things they request from you? I was going to say, how should people ask you questions? But it seems to me like that's leading it towards an answer related only to questions. But, you know, as it's saying in its last response, it can be connected in all sorts of different ways. So rather than focusing particularly on questions, I want to just say structure the things that people request because I really want to leave it a bit more open and see where 
it takes me. So, how should people structure the things they request from you? To get the best results from ChatGPT, it's helpful to structure your requests in a clear and concise way. Here are some tips for structuring your requests. 1. Be specific. When making a request, be as specific as possible about what you're looking for. Avoid broad or vague requests, as this can lead to irrelevant or confusing responses. 2. Use natural language. ChatGPT is designed to understand natural language, so you don't need to use technical jargon or formal language. Write your requests as you would if you were talking to another person. 3. Provide context. Providing context can help ChatGPT better understand the purpose and scope of your request. This can include relevant information about the topic or background information about your project. 4. Ask clear questions. If you're looking for a specific answer or solution, try to ask clear, direct questions that can be answered with a simple response. 5. Use correct grammar and spelling. ChatGPT works best when your requests are written using correct grammar and spelling. Avoid using slang or text speak as this can be difficult for ChatGPT to understand. By following these tips, you can help ensure that ChatGPT understands your requests and provides accurate and helpful responses. Okay, I got five points. Be specific. Use natural language. It's interesting that it comes back to that later. It says use natural language, but later it says avoid using slang or text speak. That sounds a bit like a contradiction to me because I think, unless I'm mistaken, perhaps there is a linguistic definition of natural language which is very clear. But to me, natural language is just communicating in a way that feels uh, like my my natural language, my my uh, my day-to-day manner of expression without having to edit myself or think, hmm, how is the other person going to receive this? It's just like speaking as I normally do. So it seems like a contradiction there, but fair enough, that's life. And it says, right, okay, here's the clear contradiction. Write your requests as you would if you were talking to another person, which generally means that you're going to use some slang and perhaps text speak because that is what we do. But okay, I guess, you know, I, uh, I'm from Britain, but I live in the Czech Republic. So often here, I will avoid using the slang from, from my home, Scotland, uh, or British slang, because uh, Czechs don't usually get it. So I'm quite used to editing myself. Uh, that's just me. For other people that might I don't know how they would feel about that, but I feel like I have some kind of concept of how to do this. Uh, Ask clear questions, provide context, be specific. That's just pretty much like asking clear questions. Yeah, okay, correct grammar and spelling. It's really interesting there because also I would have said one of the huge benefits of a large language model is that we don't have to be so formal. We shouldn't have to use correct grammar and spelling because that essentially uh, reduces the scope. It it slightly uh, 
makes it more accessible to those people who have uh, studied, who have been to school, who have uh, really worked at their grammar and spelling, which, you know, you would have thought that one of the real benefits of a large language model was to be able to understand people when they just communicate in their their comfortable manner, you know, to speak the way they do day to day, exactly as it says in point number two, to write as if you're talking to another person. Most people don't use correct grammar and spelling. I personally, like I, I see the benefit. Of course, you, you really need to learn how to communicate effectively, but I don't see it as something to really aspire to because I think we should all just be communicating and trying to understand each other. And you would think that a model that's trained on all of the, the uh, text that's been generated in the world would actually want to be able to understand people in any way they communicate with language. That would be a huge benefit, and it's actually quite saddening to see that ChatGPT uh, recommends to not do that, to use correct grammar and spelling. You know, because essentially, one of the huge benefits of conversational AI is that we should just be able to talk as we talk. We should be able to write as we write. That's one of the huge benefits. It's not like, you know, using the keyboard and mouse or, or thinking in terms of like computer code or in, it's not like, you know, usually when you interact with software, you adapt to the software's systems. You have to think in terms of its architecture. But when we communicate in language with other people, yes, we're adapting to each other and there are systems, but it's, it's not uh, machine-generated systems. It's like the ways that we've learned to communicate with other people. And what's the huge benefit of conversational AI should be, and we're hopefully building towards, is where we just communicate as we do with other people and it understands us and that's our means of interacting with a computer. We're just communicating the way we feel comfortable and yet the computer understands us and can do the things that we're asking for. It seems we're not there yet. Still, it's early days. I mean, bloody hell, like, it's only six months or so since ChatGPT was released. So maybe tomorrow they'll have an update where it's like, speak however the hell you want and we'll get what you're saying. It's just this, this stands out to me. But it's great to see how it recommends that we communicate. I think that's super useful. So that's, that's kind of generally speaking how we ask ChatGPT, sorry, how we ask ChatGPT questions or structure requests. I want to get a bit more into conversational AI. So I'll start general. How would people use you in conversational AI systems? ChatGPT can be used in conversational AI systems as the natural language processing component, which enables the system to understand and generate natural sounding responses to user queries. Here are some examples of how ChatGPT could be used in a conversational AI system. 1. Chatbots 
ChatGPT can power chatbots that interact with users in natural language, providing information, answering questions, and completing tasks. 2. Virtual Assistants ChatGPT can be integrated into virtual assistant applications, allowing users to interact with the assistant through voice or text-based commands. 3. Customer Service ChatGPT can be used to power customer service chatbots, providing personalized support and resolving customer issues in a timely manner. 4. Education ChatGPT can be used in educational applications, providing students with personalized feedback on their writing, answering questions, and providing instructional content. 5. Healthcare ChatGPT can be used in healthcare applications, providing patients with personalized medical advice and assisting with appointment scheduling. Overall, ChatGPT can be used to create conversational AI systems that provide personalized, natural-sounding interactions with users, helping to improve user engagement and satisfaction. Well, uh, it's great that it spells out the ways it can be used. This is all pretty useful. Uh, there's two things that stand out. And I'm thinking out loud, of course, if this was an interview with a person, I would just ask a question. But again, like um, both talking about the conversation and having the conversation, because this is an experiment. So there's two different paths that I'm thinking of going down. One is to ask ChatGPT about the use of slang, because I want to, I want to ask it if it can really be useful in conversational AI if it's recommending that people don't use slang when they interact with it. I would say that's quite a big caveat. That, that's something that they should at, attempt to fix. That's one path. Another path, which I think is much heavier, much more weighty, has far bigger implications, is they say... Some examples of how to use ChatGPT in a conversational AI system is healthcare. ChatGPT can be used in healthcare applications, providing patients with personalized medical advice and assisting with appointment scheduling. Appointment scheduling, that's pretty straightforward, should be anyway. Personalized medical advice, oh my God, this could go so wrong. There's like considering some of the things that people have been saying that, uh, that, you know, some of the reports I've seen of the utter garbage that ChatGPT has been telling people when it comes to personalized medical advice, it's just like, this is quite a scary prospect. So I really feel like I should drill down on that. Is it safe to use ChatGPT to provide to provide medical advice? Let's see. While ChatGPT can generate responses based on information provided, it is important to note that it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Providing medical advice requires a high level of accuracy and knowledge and should only be provided by licensed medical professionals. 
ChatGPT can be a useful tool in providing general information about medical conditions or procedures, but should not be used to diagnose or treat specific medical conditions. It's important to consult with a licensed medical professional for any medical advice or treatment recommendations. Additionally, it's important to consider the limitations of ChatGPT's training data, as it may not be able to provide accurate or up-to-date information on certain medical conditions or treatments. It's always best to rely on trusted sources and seek professional medical advice when making healthcare decisions. All right, so that's utterly contradictory. Utterly. In the previous response, it said, ChatGPT can be used in healthcare applications, providing patients with personalized medical advice. In this response, it says, it's important to note that ChatGPT is not a substitute for professional medical advice. So it can provide personalized medical advice, but it's saying it shouldn't be used for professional medical advice. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so wrong. It's so completely wrong. Okay. Okay, I'm going to be a little bit tough on it just to really push the system and see where we end up. I don't expect that ChatGPT will give a very good answer to this because it's a hard question. Uh, but, okay, I'm going to say, your I'm going to say your responses contradict each other. Previously, you said ChatGPT can be used in healthcare applications, providing patients with personalized medical advice. But now you say it is important to note that it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. What's the truth? I apologize for any confusion caused by my previous response. To clarify, ChatGPT should not be used as a substitute for professional medical advice, as it is not a licensed medical professional and does not have the capability to provide accurate diagnoses or treatment recommendations. However, ChatGPT can be used to provide general information about medical conditions or procedures and can assist with appointments scheduling or providing personalized medical advice that is within the scope of a non-medical professional. For example, ChatGPT can provide information on common side effects of medications or general health and wellness tips, but it should not be relied on for a diagnosis or specific treatment plan. It's important to always consult with a licensed medical professional for any medical advice or treatment recommendations and to consider the limitations of ChatGPT's training data when using it for healthcare applications. Well, it's nice that ChatGPT apologizes, but that doesn't quite cover the fact that, you know, it said I can give personalized medical advice, and then it says I shouldn't be trusted when it comes to medical advice. <clears throat> Lovely that you apologize, but the weight of that, and I think that's the thing. Of course, it doesn't understand the weight of that. These are just words. It's just trained on words. It's just spitting out words. It doesn't know the weight of those words, the purpose of those, the way they can be interpreted or fit into someone's life. And this is the huge risk of ChatGPT. It's very good now that it's corrected itself and it says, to clarify, ChatGPT should not be used as a substitute for professional medical advice. That's great. There's just some 
utter weirdness coming out later. We're in such murky gray area of language where it's just not clear. It's clear as mud. It says, however, ChatGPT can be used to provide general information about medical conditions or procedures and can assist with appointment scheduling. That's not so important, but or providing personalized medical advice that is within the scope of a non-medical professional. Personalized medical advice that is within the scope of a non-medical professional. So a professional that's non-medical, like a bus driver, is that providing personalized medical advice that's within the scope of a bus driver? What on earth is it actually saying? This, it's like, what non-medical professional gives personalized medical advice? I'm sure there's some out there, but right now I can't think of who that could... Okay, the best thing to do is I'm going to ask that as a question. So, I'll drill down on that. Please specify a non-medical professional who would give personalized medical advice. I apologize for any confusion my previous responses may have caused. When I refer to personalized medical advice in the context of a non-medical professional, I was referring to general health and wellness tips or advice that is within the scope of a non-medical professional's expertise. For example, a fitness instructor or nutritionist might provide personalized advice on exercise or diet that could be helpful for overall health and wellness. However, when it comes to specific medical conditions or treatments, it's important to consult with a licensed medical professional for accurate and safe advice. In summary, ChatGPT can provide information or general advice related to health and wellness but it's important to always consult with a licensed medical professional for any specific medical advice or treatment recommendations. I'm starting to feel like I've really got ChatGPT on its back foot now, if a large language model does have feet, because it's apologizing a lot, which is like, okay, considering this as a conversational application, considering the weight of what we're discussing, that it's saying it could give medical advice and then it's correcting itself and saying, no, I shouldn't do that. That's quite heavy. The implications are heavy, so it probably should apologize. Just thinking as a conversation designer, it's not like glossing over. It's saying, okay, I apologize because this matters. <clears throat> However, really, like, I mean... These are such woolly answers. They're essentially like I wouldn't want to be taking this seriously at all anymore. The more I drill down, the more the kind of the house of cards of what it's building in its conversation just falls apart because it's almost like it, it can't stand up for anything that it's saying. Um, and I think that has massive implications for how we use it. It's like talking to someone who has all the vocabulary, can access all the knowledge, but doesn't really know or care what it really means, like how it's going to be used when that knowledge is expressed to someone and what they're going to do with it. Uh, and so 
yeah, this is like, it's a fascinating experiment, but I'm really starting to see that the more I ask it questions and the more I get responses, it's just, we're only creating more confusion, more of a cloud of like misunderstanding and not really getting anywhere. Because, okay, so it's response. So it apologized. So personalized medical advice, it says it was referring to general health and wellness tips or advice that's within the scope of a non-medical professional's expertise, like a fitness instructor or nutritionist. So not a bus driver. Although, of course, I'm not saying that a bus driver knows nothing about health. (laughs) I'm just saying that if you want personalized medical advice, you really want to go to someone who knows their shit about health and drugs and uh, basically a doctor, a doctor, a nurse or a surgeon, an expert. So, yeah, it's like, it's almost like it's, it's trying to generate a response to, to answer my question and I'm not convinced. Like I was referring to general health and wellness tips or advice that's within the scope of a non-medical professional's expertise. Okay, whatever. So stuff that could be helpful. Now it's saying you get personalized advice from a fitness instructor or a nutrition, sorry, nutritionist that could be helpful for overall health and wellness. I'm not sure if that's really personalized medical advice. A fitness instructor would give you advice on fitness that relates to medical, but it's much more it's much more general. I don't know, we're really getting into the specifics of language here, which of course is the whole point. Anyway, the, the main point here is that it's now saying don't trust me when it comes to medical advice. Always consult a licensed medical professional. And that's the main point. Originally it said I can give you personalized medical advice. Now it's saying no way. Let's not drill down into that anymore. I think we're only going to get more confused. And it's clear that now it's saying, uh, ask a professional. Okay, I think I'll go into the last part of this interview. It's quite hard work interviewing ChatGPT. All right. Considering all that's been said so far. So, ChatGPT, how would you recommend people act on the information you provide them? That's very interesting. It stopped. Something went wrong. This is the uh, error message I'm getting. Something went wrong. If this issue persists, please contact us through our help center at help. Uh, There's a URL. I don't need to read that out. I'm wondering what's happened here. Of course, I won't know. I now can't ask it a question. The the input chat box has closed. I'm wondering if I'm asking too many specific questions and perhaps OpenAI have a team who maybe a flag went up that was monitoring like, you know, some kind of keywords perhaps raise a flag and then someone monitors the conversation and says, okay, (laughs) 
stop. <laughs> Something's gone wrong here and we don't want this user to continue the conversation, perhaps. I don't know that for sure. I'm just pontificating. Or it could just be a standard error, something like the API is down. We know that GPT has so much action these days that sometimes it's simply overwhelmed and some of the chats stop, which of course has implications for conversational AI. If you're using this and suddenly it stops, that's a problem. <clears throat> um, so I don't know. I don't know why it stopped, but okay, that's perhaps that's the best time to stop. Uh, because this has been quite a long interview. Um, but essentially, even, the, even this communicates a message. I continued asking questions and the application, ChatGPT, stopped, which makes me wonder why. But also, if this was plumbed into some kind of con another conversational application and it suddenly stops, that's a problem for the user. They've asked a question, they don't get a response. I'm making huge assumptions here. To be totally transparent, I'm using the free version of ChatGPT. That's what I'm using for this interview. The most standard, basic, free research preview. So I don't want to pretend to anyone that this is a different version. And I know that now they, of course, have the plus version. They also are having APIs so that people can uh, like connect it into applications. There's all sorts of stuff going on. And this particular scenario might not happen in those other versions, but it happened here. And so I'm reacting to it. And okay, it's a... For now, that's an open question. What happened? Uh, if this did happen in another conversational application, this would be a huge problem that suddenly the conversation just stops unexpectedly. Anyway, now it's not listening. I can't send out a message. But uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you to ChatGPT and OpenAI because this is technology that seemed to be at least to me, unthinkable in recent years. I know that there are other large language models. I know that people who work on large language models are quite surprised that suddenly this one uh, version, this one LLM, ChatGPT is getting all the attention and they're like, hey, we're doing great stuff too. And there is, you know, there are lots of other great LLMs out there. Uh, so, um, but really like this is, quite incredible that these auto-generated responses are uh, so convincing. And that's, that's the thing. They're, they're so convincing because they use language so well and they answer my questions in ways that keep the conversation going. It's very uh, engaging. I feel like I'm communicating with something that understands me and can give its own nuanced response, which feels like a conversation. That's great. But that's the thing. It's very convincing on a surface level. And then when you drill down on the responses it's giving, in those moments where it says utterly crazy or even dangerous things related to health, then the whole thing just falls down and you're like, oh, this doesn't get it. This doesn't get what's going on. 
still, this is incredible where we're at. This is incredible technology. It's just it has huge uh, implications in terms of the risks, you know, the fact that I could trust it and it could give the wrong response, which, you know, when it comes to conversational AI, I would say we still, we still need a human in the loop. We can use ChatGPT, get its response, and then a person who knows uh, knows their field, knows how that information is going to be used, checks it and says, all right, that part's good, that part is bad, that part is extremely risky, so cut that off, and basically edits and curates the responses to ensure that we're not giving people the wrong information. This has been huge fun. It's also been quite hard work. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like really having to analyze the responses here. Um, but yeah, incredible stuff. So thanks for watching and see you at the next Conversation Squared.